The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Diana Clark. I'm a sometime teacher here at IMC. I am actually really looking forward to today and practicing with you all. As you probably know, the theme for today is mindfulness of the body. I'll say for me, my own practice turned out to be a little bit of a revelation how important mindfulness of the body was. I certainly thought that everything about meditation had to do with the mind. But it turns out mindfulness of the body is an integral part of mindfulness, is an important part of mindfulness, central. There's a number of reasons for this. One is that the body is more tangible than the mind. So I've often like having sensations, something we can feel and touch is a little bit easier to help bring us into the present moment than our mental life, right? We all know it's fleeting and course it's so easy to just simply get lost in our thoughts rather than being mindful of them and of course the mind moves faster flitting around here and there the body's a little bit slower that's also why it's a little bit easier to use the body as an anchor and the body is more stable than the mind and some stability, some steadiness really can support our mindfulness practice. There's a number of more reasons why mindfulness of the body is beneficial and supportive. I'll talk about them a little bit more as the day progresses. Maybe I'll say a little bit first about how the day is going to unfold, or at least my idea of how it's going to unfold. So for those of you who don't know, there's a schedule at the end of the stage here and there's a schedule near the door. My plan is to speak just a little bit now and then we'll do a um, a, a sitting meditation in which I will offer some guidance just for maybe the first 10 or 15 minutes. Just some suggestions of a way to practice but the, remain, the most of the sitting will be in silence. Just to provide an opportunity for you to practice with it, uh, the instructions, or if you have another way of practicing that feels most beneficial, to give you an opportunity to practice that way too. Then there'll be a little walking meditation. And again, I'll give just a brief instructions. And then see here. Then there's, um, I'm sorry, after the sitting, I'm going to open it up just for some uh, questions. There'll be a time today if what I've said so far doesn't make sense, just for a little bit of Q&A. We won't have a lot, as we're trying to keep the day kind of still and steady. So sit, Q&A, walk, another sit, then lunch. And then after lunch will be another little talk, and then sit, walk, sit. Sit. 
And again, I'll just be offering some brief instructions, recognizing that in this room there's probably a wide range of experience. I want to honor and support the whole range as best I can. So maybe I'll start uh, with my little talk this morning with um, the simile of the six animals, which I find kind of delightful. It's in the Buddhist literature, in the scriptures, this story that the Buddha is telling a group of monastics. It goes something like this. Suppose a person would catch six animals with different domains and different feeding grounds. This person would catch a snake, a crocodile, a bird, a dog, a jackal, and a monkey. And then tie each together with a strong rope that these six animals are tied together and then release them. Those six animals, which have different domains and different feeding grounds, would each pull in the direction of its own feeding ground and domain. The snake would pull one way, thinking, let me enter into an anthill. The crocodile would pull another way, thinking, let me enter the water. The bird would pull another way, thinking, let me fly into the sky. The dog would pull yet another way, thinking, let me enter a village. The jackal would pull yet one more way, thinking, let me enter a charnel ground. And the monkey would pull another way, thinking, let me enter a forest. These six animals tied together eventually will become fatigued and worn out. And then whichever animal is dominant or the strongest, all the other five animals would submit to it and come under its control. I kind of like this simile. It's a little bit outrageous, but also there's some... We could see the truth in this. So then the Buddha telling this story continues. Suppose another person captures six animals with different domains and different feeding grounds. And they would also capture a snake, a crocodile, a bird, a dog, a jackal, and a monkey. And the snake would still want to go to the anthill and the crocodile would still want to go to the water. But instead of tying these six animals together, what if they were tied to a post, a strong post? Then when they became worn out and fatigued, they would come and stand close to that post and they would sit down there. So putting aside the fact that we're tying up animals for now, we can see that if they all, rather than being tied to each other and just whichever one is dominant drags the other animals around, if they're all tied to the stable post, the stable pillar, 
They will each will want to go their own way, but then eventually just settle down. And then in the simile, the Buddha explains that this post, this pillar, is mindfulness of the body. The six animals are our six senses. In the Buddhist tradition, there's five senses, the five ones that we're more accustomed to, and then the sixth sense is the mind. So in this way, with mindfulness of the body, we can allow the body to be a support, while in some ways our inner wild animals tame themselves, start to settle down. quite something that we have actually developed quite a great capacity to be disembodied human beings. It's quite something that actually it has to be a practice to get connected with our bodies. There's a number of reasons for this. One is we have, probably most of us in this room, have a lifelong habit of primarily living in our thought world. Of course we do. Perhaps our professions, we were rewarded for thinking about things. Perhaps our education was really emphasized thinking about things, solving problems, figuring them out, having the right answer. Or, perhaps for some people in this room, it's difficult to fully inhabit the body because we have histories of trauma or abuse or we live with chronic pain or illness. Or perhaps we're in a culture where there's so much value judgment about our appearance that somehow the body doesn't feel like a safe place to be. Or there's such an emphasis on what we can do physically, our capabilities, that it's been difficult to be embodied. But mindfulness of the body can support a befriending of the body, learning to use it as a support, as a pillar that can help bring greater ease, greater peace, greater freedom. In some ways it can do this because mindfulness of the body helps support our self-understanding. Often by paying attention to the body might reveal states of mind. Are we agitated? Maybe we don't even know how agitated we are until we feel that kind of like bouncing around, restlessness, ping pong kind of feeling in the body. Maybe we find ourselves like leaning forward, either literally or metaphorically, and notice how much we're not in the present moment. We're stumbling into what's coming next. Mindfulness of the body can also help us understand our emotions. Getting better acquainted with uh, sensations in the body, we start, might start to notice that tightening in the chest that often accompanies uncomfortable, uncomfortable emotions or tightening in the belly or squinting of the face. 
So in a number of ways, mindfulness of the body helps us support self-understanding, just to know ourselves better, independent of our stories. But it also supports just greater wisdom, which can support our movement towards freedom and peace, awakening. Anybody who's done some mindfulness of the body knows and learns we are not in charge. Sensations arise. We can't make them stay longer if they match our preferences. We can't make them go away if they don't match our preferences. In this way, we can begin to explore and contemplate the body as it is, not through a lens of my body that should be a particular way, but instead to start to see, oh yeah, we're, we're not in charge. There isn't a central entity that's controlling these things. Mindfulness of the body, we can also learn that there's a distinction between what we think about the present moment and what our experience is, the felt sensations. They're not always the same. And of course, we'll notice that the body is in a constant state of change. These sensations are moving and changing. They're not always the same, they're not permanent. We can extrapolate this um, experience, this knowledge, to different areas of our lives. Other things are changing too. So for today, I'm going to make a distinction about two different types of mindfulness of the body. In many ways, this is an artificial distinction, but it might help as a way to practice, to learn about, work with mindfulness of the body. And maybe as you do this, you'll start to see how maybe this distinction is forced. But you might also be able to see how it might be helpful. So I'll say that the first type of mindfulness of the body is more of a receptive. That is where we're just noticing what's compelling kind of open up the awareness and allow sensations in the body that are calling our attention to pay attention to those. Receptive, receiving. The guided meditations this morning will be have that flavor. A second way of mindfulness of the body is more directed, where we are intentionally bringing our attention to different areas of the body, And in that way, whether that sensations in those body are compelling or not, we're bringing our awareness to them. More like a body scan, for those of you who are familiar with that. So this afternoon, the guided meditations will be more about directed mindfulness of the body. So I recognize that some individuals prefer 
structure and discipline and this is the way that it is to kind of have some clear direction. Well, some individuals prefer to sense of play and experimentation. So I'll be offering different ways to approach mindfulness of the body. And you can use whichever way feels most supportive for you. Maybe to play with these different ways. Or maybe you already have, you know what works for you and you want to stick with that. But I'm a person that likes experimentation and play and mindfulness practice. So you'll hear me say things like, see if this works for you. Play with this. Maybe that's enough for now. And then I'll lead us into a our first guided meditation. You're welcome to shift your posture, stand up, get a cushion. <laughs> <laughs> 